Let's uh, open with another word of prayer. <laughs> Just let me pray before uh, I get started. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity that uh, we have just to be in your word this morning. I thank you for the freedom that we have to uh, worship how we want and worship when we want. And I just thank you for this group of people that you've brought together right now today. And I pray that your spirit would be at work in us as we uh, look at your word and as we um, make commitments to each other and to ourselves to follow you uh, more and more each day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so we're in this What's Trending series. And uh, so I really had no idea what to, what was trending or what I wanted to talk about. So I turned to a good friend of mine who has been with me every time I have questions and I just need to know things. Uh, I googled it. So I googled what's trending. and I was very specific. I want to know what's trending in the church. And so I googled what's trending in the church and I found a study done by Lifeway uh, publishers that they did a study of thousands and thousands of churches and, and they were just looking at church uh, goers and Christians. So Christians are very small, um, not just anybody was in this poll, church goers and church Christians. And this is what they found. A survey found that 90% of church goers agree with this statement. I desire to please and honor God or Jesus in all I do. So awesome. 90% of people who attend church desire to honor God with everything they do. Excellent. And 60% agreed with this, or 59% agreed with this statement. Throughout the day, I find myself thinking about biblical truths. Awesome. Another majority spending their time throughout the day living their life or, or wanting to desire and to please God, their desire is to please God, and then 60% are thinking about biblical truths throughout the day. But then I read kind of the point of the study and why it was all over the internet, all these websites, is that less than 20% of people who go to church read the Bible or spend time with God on a regular basis. Whoa, 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 back it up. 90% say that their desire is to please God with their lives, but only 20% are, are engaging in the scripture and spending time with the person they want to please. So there's a huge gap between that 20 and that 90. And so that, that's the motivation behind this. What's trending in the church? And I pray that's not accurate here, but knowing just being in the church my whole life, I would say that it's probably pretty accurate. Less than 20% of us or 20% of us are spending time with God on a regular basis. And it's something that um, I really want this sermon just to be kind of a, a practical equipping. This is a very simple back-to-the-basics foundations type of a thing as we look through Scripture. But the goal of this is to equip and encourage us to be in the Word and to spend time with God on a daily basis as, as foundational to our walk with Him. Our love relationship has to be built on time spent with Him, just like it is any other relationship. So that's the goal. We're going to look through... Um, a couple scriptures, uh, John 10 and, and the, the picture that Jesus paints in his parable about the good shepherd and the sheep, and then Ephesians 6, we're going to look at the armor of God, and the two things that we're, we're uh, getting at here is not an in-depth study of either of these, but just to see the relationship that God has with his people and that we need to have with him in, in the good shepherd, and then the urgency of, of daily putting on the armor of God so that we can be ready to fight the day's struggles, the temptations that Satan's going to pull at us. So those are the two things we're going to look at. And then we'll end with just a super practical look uh, through the little guide you have inside of your, uh, your worship guide. You should have a little uh, thing called putting first things first. So we're going we're gonna to go through that to, to end. But uh, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, let's open to John 10. Always bring your Bible. Digital, your phone. If you don't have a Bible with you and you're carrying a smartphone, Whip it out, download version. 
You'll probably be done by the time we turn to John 10, and since it's digital, you'll beat all the people with a regular Bible. I'm just kidding. John 10, we're just going to look at the first five verses. Um, and again, it's, it, for many of us, it's a very familiar passage. So uh, get, slow down and just let, let God speak to us. If you have a, a way to highlight or mark, get ready to do that as we go through. Specifically look for the descriptions that the sheep have, their relationship with the sheep to the shepherd. Okay, that's what we're looking at here. Here we go, first five verses. Read along with me. By the way, he's talking to the Pharisees, the religious rulers of the time. And he's pointing out to them the relationship that, that he is, is bringing, uh, Jesus is ushering in, the ability to have a close relationship with him. So let's read along. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Let's just stop right there at verse 3 and just pick up on the very obvious top layer right there. The sheep listen to his voice, okay? To listen, to to build a relationship with someone so that you know their voice, it's just a matter of being with them. The sheep just live with him. The shepherd's there all the time. The shepherd's saying, hey, sheep, fluffy, I don't know, (laughs) come with me, go this way, don't go that way, come over here. So they're just spending time with him. They get to know his voice, and that becomes key later. Verse 4, When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Okay, so now Jesus is leading. He's walking, and he's telling them this way. Go, don't go that way. There's a cliff over there. You're dumb. You're going to drown if you go in that lake. Come over here to this nice quiet stream. And they're following his voice because they know his voice. They've spent time with him. So this is the same thing, obviously, as we spend time in in the word with God with the truth of God we we pick up on his voice we know his thoughts what he's gonna what he would have us do because of our time spent in the scripture and here's where it all comes comes down in verse five but they will never follow a stranger in fact they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice this is where we need to we need to come I don't know if you've heard um, this said or if you've thought this yourself but I've heard many Christians say this I don't know the difference between God's voice and my own voice. I can't distinguish between when God's speaking to me and when it's my own thoughts or it's my own desires. Have you ever heard that or felt that? I hear that all the time. And that's this huge. We need to be so close, in step with God on a daily basis, reminding ourselves what God's ways and his wills and his purposes are in his word, so that is not even on the table. We can tell when God speaks at the drop of a hat because we're so close and in tune with him on a daily basis. I had my first job, well, one of my first jobs was working at a um, community college in, in the cafeteria, so it's just food service, but we all had to be trained on the register. So um, we had to go through a counterfeit currency training. So we, we were given $100 bills, to, not to keep, because we were working at a college, but we, uh, just to feel them, and we get to know them and hold them up to the light. They showed us all the different things about the bills. They wanted us to sp- be very familiar with the real thing. Because a lot of counterfeits were coming through. People were washing $5 bills and printing hundreds on them. And so, but we spent so much time with these things, had to take this little test, that we could tell. You hold that up to the light, there's things in the wrong place. You got a guy's face here and a different face behind it. Like, it was all kinds of stuff. The security strip, all these things. So, but, but they didn't give us the counterfeit bill to study. Because they can always just come up with a new counterfeit bill that we wouldn't be familiar with. So in addition to their cool high-tech things, the pen and whatever, they trained us with the real thing. And that's what time spent with God and listening to his voice does for us. We want to be able to hear. We want to discern so that if someone else comes, 
or our own thoughts, or our own sinful uh, desires are coming up, or, or the world is telling us, no, this is the way, we're going to immediately know what God wants us to do based on Scripture. So those are just the first three things out of John 10. Um, we need to listen to his voice. We need to know his voice and, and follow him. We'll be able to follow him and discern his voice because he knows us and we trust him. And then finally, just we'll be able to discern our voice from his voice, which is huge, as it's just a byproduct of our time spent with him. The second thing we're going to look, flip over to Ephesians 6. So back towards the end of the New Testament, flip, flip over till you get to Ephesians 6. We're going to read verses 10 through uh, 17. And this is the point of this, this passage. We spend time with God to suit up for the battle. This is, this is the daily need for us to rely on God's power for us to make it through and get through our day. So we're going we're gonna to walk through these again just like we did before. Paul's writing to the Ephesians about the armor of God. And again, here, just slow down as we're reading and just have your, your, your highlighter, your underliner, your finger ready to, to mark this as we go through. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We're going to stop right there. This is, like I just mentioned, we need, to, we need to daily remember and remind ourselves that we can do nothing without God's power. It all starts with him. The grace to get up in the morning to have the daily quiet time is all him. So we acknowledge and start our day with that attitude, that point of surrender. Okay, so finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We're not even to the armor yet, and we're already acknowledging we can't do anything. It isn't a matter of us just, God, muscling it up and getting ready to go through the day. Right from the beginning, God's in charge, God's in control, and we can do nothing without him. So acknowledge that. Have that be a part of our, of our daily quiet time. Verse 11 and 12. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And this is, this is important. Satan wants your day. When you wake up in the morning, Satan's one job is to come between you and your relationship with God. And honestly, when we wake up in the day, we are already bent towards that. We're bent towards selfishness. We wake up, if I, if I don't acknowledge God's presence, if I don't spend time with him, I'm likely to go through, I don't know, till the first meal I pray or something, that the first time I'm like, oh yes, God, you are sovereign and in control and I should be leaving, leading my life in your control. I am so selfish. We are so bent towards that. So we start our day acknowledging the fact that this is a battle. We need God's strength to get us through the day because he's going to throw all kinds of temptations at us. Know that when you became a Christian, God wasn't like, oh, I lost, or Satan wasn't like, I lost another one. I'll go focus on these other non-Christians. No, he's going to be like doubling down on you because you are saying out loud, I'm going to be a servant of the king. I'm a soldier for God. And so now he's going to do everything he can to come between that. So that's why spending time on a daily basis is a non-negotiable. Okay, we're, we're at peacetime. Oh, sorry, we are not at peacetime. We're at war. Peacetime's coming right? The future. We're going to spend time with God in heaven where we get our reward and there's just infinite peace and glory because we're there in his presence. But that is not today. We are at war. Our battle, though, is not with people and situations. There's a war raging over our thoughts and our actions and over the souls of people around us. And so we need to start our day with that perspective. Help us see people and situations in our day through that lens before we step out and try to meander around without a clue. We are soldiers. That's why one of the reasons why I love the Salvation Army so much, because even in the, the wording of, of I am a soldier, I'm standing here in my soldier's uniform, is, is a reminder that I am, I am at battle against the forces of Satan. 
And Jesus is going to work through those of us who are, going to work, who are going to dedicate our lives. So take time each day to remind yourself of that. Let's keep going. 13, and 13 through 17. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, just to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So when we wake up in the morning, passages like this, or, or, or just praying, we're going we're gonna to put this on through prayer. We're acknowledging that we need God and that we need his strength to get through the day. And without spending too much time going over the specifics of these, my point really with this passage is just to daily remember that we need to put on the armor of God in this way. And I'm going to read a prayer written by a Salvation Army officer from Long Beach. He published a book called Warfare Prayer. And it's just full of prayers based on scriptures that you pray great in the morning, great during your daily quiet time, to to help you focus on what's important and reorganize and orient your life towards God. This prayer is based off of what the verses we just read, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And I've been reading this in my own daily quiet time um, just as a reminder to help me to to remember that every day is a battle. So I'm just going to read this over you guys. To the end, your mighty power will be our strength. We prepare ourselves in your armor so that we can stand up to the devil. We are not wrestling against a human enemy. We're combating demonic principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, fighting the spiritual armies of evil in the heavenly realms. We are donning all of your armor so that we can persist in the evil day. And when all is said and done, be left standing. We will stand buckled in your truth, wrapped around our waist, decked out in a righteous chest plate. We are booting up with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We are wielding faith's shield to quench every fiery arrow hurled at us by the wicked one. We are helmeted in salvation, and we have unsheathed the spirit's sword, the spoken word of God. Amen. So this is a prayer that I've been praying just before I open the word of God. I pray that, and I realize these are tools that the Holy Spirit can use in my life. These are weapons in your weapons chest that he can use throughout the day. And then I open God's word, and I say, whatever you want to speak to me today, that's what I want you to, that's what I want you to give me. And then I allow the Holy Spirit to remind me throughout the day those things that he has said. So there's weapons in the, or tools in the toolbox for the Spirit. Let's spend time each day preparing ourselves for a day of battle in the Lord's name. We just need to take that time to prepare ourselves, to ready ourselves. So that's, those, those are the two things. How many of you know from what you know of Scripture that we should be spending time with God on a regular basis? Show of hands. Look around. We already know this, right? So, so why, are not, why are not, why are we not doing that? Why are we not doing that? So that's this, the last half of this uh, sermon. I just want to go practical suggestions and, and ways to, to set aside that time and spend time with God. So um, if you guys can pull out that putting first things first resource I made, um, we're going to go through the inside right cover. If you don't have one, where are my helpers? They were over there last time. Raise your hand if you don't have one. You have a little book. Like if your spouse grabbed the bulletin and you didn't get one. Mm. Okay. Can I get some? There's, there's a stack right there by that Kleenex box. Could someone grab those and run them around? Thank you, Bruce. If you just keep your hand up, we'll pass those out. And while he does, 
we're going to look at the inside right page, but I just, there's a couple of things I want to, uh, to mention before we get into this daily quiet time thing. The first challenge that we all have is going to be to find the time, yes? That's got to be the number one challenge. And so here's just some suggestions. So they're very obvious. Don't, you know, be like, what? Schedule it? I had no idea that would work. But here's the first thing I got on there. It's just put it on the calendar. I've got in my planner, in my, in my calendar, which I share with my wife when I do something that like, shows her the same thing, I've got daily quiet time mapped out. She can see the time each day that I am saying I want to spend time with God. I need that built-in accountability, especially when it's early and I'm, and I'm choosing to do an early time in the day. It's so easy to, you know, sleep instead of getting up. So put it on the calendar. It's, it's really that simple, but I mentioned, how, you know, enlisting the help of my, my wife. Find an accountability partner who will help you as we develop this habit. I promise you, over time, it gets easier. Over time, as we develop these habits, there's so many things we do without thinking. Like, most of us are dressed right now. I'm just kidding. We're all dressed. We did that just as a, as a habit. You wake up. Nobody had to tell you to remind you. You didn't call your accountability partner. Should I get dressed? You just got dressed. We brush our teeth. We just do those things. So it, it will get easier to become just like that. Um, the other thing, you know, so enlist a friend, a spouse, and then and pray about your schedule. Some of us may need to adjust our actual schedule. We need to prioritize this. We've all raised our hands, or most of us raised our hands and said this is important. We know that to develop a relationship with God based on love is going to take time and energy, just like it is with our spouse or our kids. So it's the same thing. So we, we, we may need to look at our schedule, though, and just see where is this going to fall? Where can I prioritize this in? Super simple. I just have a, a note for moms because... My wife is listening out in the baby room because she's holding our six-month-old baby. But uh, if there's any group of people who are going to have more trouble doing this, finding time, it's going to be moms. And so if you're a mom of young children, I wrote this for you, mainly my wife. A mom's morning schedule can look a lot like this. The day starts out with the sound of a toddler belting out, Mommy, Mommy, while impatiently rattling the bars of her crib. Before you're fully awake... Rubbing the sleep from your eyes, you're tip, tripping over toys, changing diapers, prepping food, washing clothes, wiping dirty faces, and stacking dirty dishes. You'll be lucky if you get a shower by 10 a.m., much less spend a quiet, meaningful time in prayer and Bible study. So it is a struggle. There's some of us who are in seasons of our life. Okay, us? Okay, yeah, be careful. I am not a mom. Moms are in a season of their life where they, they have given birth to anti-daily quiet times. They're running around. Quiet is not coming from these people. So as, as you struggle with that and your, your day starts before you were up and started, just know the very first thing you remember is there is just grace covering all of this. I just want to make sure that in our, in our, our fight, in our, our focus on spending a time with God, it is not a formula. We are not trying to develop a habit. The habit isn't the goal. If you're all like, yeah, I spend time with God every day, that's not the goal. That's the means to know a person. And so there are, your way of, of spending time with God is going to look different than mine. And a mom's, my wife's way of spending time with God is vastly different than mine. Totally different. I'm like sitting down in peace and quiet at the beach before my family is awake and I'm reading the Bible. Like she doesn't know what that means. Doesn't know what that's like. So it's going to look different. Just don't get caught up in a formula. So the first thing is just grace over everything. But then specifically for moms or anybody who's just struggling because of circumstances, ask your spouse to help you carve out time daily to spend with God. So I, we've been like working, because we got, again, little kids, lots of little kids. So I will take all the kids after, I've already had my daily quiet time. We were like fed and washed, she did all that work. Then I take the kids to school, and then I'll take them over to the park and just let them play to give, with my six-month-old, as long as I possibly can before he's starving. 
and give her as much time as possible alone, actual real quiet time. Now, I realize that might not be possible for many of us, uh, for many moms out there, just because of your schedule. So for them, I say, let God be a part of your mundane tasks. Realize that God wants to be intimately involved with the dishes and the laundry and this cleaning up the spilled milk over and over and over and over and over again. So just pray. Talk to God during that time. Reclaim these mundane tasks for God. Spend time with God. That's the goal is that we're just with him and spending time with him. And then, if possible, try to find 10 minutes to just read, pray, and respond to him. Author Chuck Swindoll writes this. Seeking intimacy with God requires focused determination. Without this daily discipline, we will not experience a transforming friendship with God. So here's where we need to have our little, the little books out, those little half sheets. Most people should have them, hopefully. We're going to go through the six steps uh, that all start with an R on the right. And we're not going to read through these. I made this. It's just a resource for you. I have kept this in my Bible for years. I use it when my own daily quiet time, the, the intimacy and the freshness of that daily quiet time is slipping. When, I, when I'm just doing stuff because I know it's a thing I need to do and it's just a check in a box. That's, no, stop. That's not worth it. It really needs to be about a person. And so this helps me get back into that, remember and refocus what it's all about. So that's why the very first one is called Refocus. And I'm just going to call attention to the first, one of the things in there. It says, confess your sins. And this has been huge for me in my walk with God. I spent a lot of time with the feeling that when I prayed, I was just talking to the ceiling, that it wasn't, it wasn't doing anything. There was no real connection. And I, and I didn't know what that was until I was told, walked along, that if I'm harboring sin in my heart, the Lord will not listen to my prayers. Listen, I just pretty much paraphrased 66, 18. Here's Psalms. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If you're looking at it, verse 19 says, but I didn't cherish sin in my heart, and so the Lord heard my prayers. That's 66, 18, and 19, and I just paraphrased that a lot. We can't have sin in our heart. We can't be holding on to sin. We need to agree with God about the weight of our sin. Our sin, the littlest sin, is an infinite offense to a holy God. So we need to confess it. Confess it, and, and be specific. Don't just, a lot of, a lot of I've, I've been where people are confessing like this. God, I'm a horrible, sinful person. I sin all the time, every day, yesterday, last week, all day long. Just right, right now I'm sinning, Lord, and that's not helpful. That's not helpful. The Holy Spirit who lives in you, his job is to convict you, right, of sin. And so when he convicts you of sin, you confess that sin. So when you sit down to pray and you're coming with that, that humble, surrendered attitude we talked about earlier, that's the first thing. Lord, what is it in my life that is a barrier between me and you? And remove it. The work has already been done on the cross. It's done. It's done. You just acknowledge what he has done and, and confess it. Be specific. Okay, moving on. Number two, read. Uh, the only thing I'll add to this is just the advice in there about starting with the Gospels. If, you're, if you don't know what to read, because it's a big book we're talking about. We are referring to the Bible, by the way. Not our daily bread. Or, I mean, you might read that too, but I'm referring to the Bible. Start with the Gospels. We're supposed to be imitating the life of Christ. Let's start with his life the accounts of his life. And if you're like, oh, that, great, you narrowed it down to four choices. Now I don't know what to read. Start with John. Start with John. John was written to everybody, the world at large. It's a very good book to start in. But as you read through scripture all the time, I always try to make sure that I'm, I'm always going through the gospels at the same time. So I'm up close and personal with the life of Christ as I try to imitate him every day. Good. Reflect. 
And here's where we tend to, we tend to open the words like, oh, okay, well, we talked in church, we should, we should read the Bible. And we open it up, and we're like, like, yeah, I did it. It's not, it's not that. It's not the goal. It's not a race. That's not the end game. I finished two chapters. How about you? One, sucker. It's, that's not what we're looking at. We want, we want to slow down. The Holy Spirit has something in his word, and we just need to stop. It could be verse one. And if you just read verse one and he speaks to you, we win. We win. We get to know more of God's heart. So, ask questions. Who, what, where, when, how, right? Is there a promise I need to believe? Is there a challenge I need to accept? Is there something I need to stop doing, start doing, continue doing? Is there a habit I need to form, etc.? What am I seeing? Slow down and engage with the Word. And then we record. This is number four. Expect God to speak. When He does, we write down what He said somewhere. So I always have something open and a pen. Be expectant. That's like, a, I'm coming to the table. God, I know you're here. Now speak. I know you're gonna. Boom. And you put your pen down, and you start reading, because he's speaking to you through his word. It is our life. So then we respond. We don't just hear. We respond. We're expecting God to speak, and when he does, we must adjust our lives to him and obey. And then finally, we repeat. We start small with just a few minutes, and watch God increase your desires for him. Start small. In fact, it, during the challenge, I'm, I'm just going to suggest 10 minutes 10 minutes a day, and, and keeping it very simple. Uh, so just start small, but then watch as God develops in you a love for him and his word and spending time that causes you to want to grow. I mean, not want to grow. You will be wanting to grow. That will cause the, the amount of time you spend to him to not be enough. You're going to want more and more, and work is going to come before you're actually done, which is good. So we're going to end with just these two challenges. Obviously, this is simple, but there's two groups of people in here, and I just want to acknowledge that. There's some people who already have this, everything we've talked about today, this love relationship with God that is on a daily basis and is vibrant and growing. And to you, your challenge is this. I'm not giving you the 28-day challenge because that would not be good. This is harder. Your job, if you are that person, you already have this discipline in your life, teach someone else. This is the essence of discipleship that God would grow us up and teach us and mature us in ways, and then we would take it out and teach someone else. And it's simple. It's not hard. Take someone out to coffee, okay? And show them how you spend time with God. It's that simple. I can remember the first time someone did that, offered to just, do you know how to meet time? I was like, oh, I know how to meet with God. I read my Bible and I pray. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, how do you do that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I just read, and then I walk away. And he's like, no, 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 no. Let me show you. So he took me out to coffee, just sat me down. He walked me through this. In that time with him, it was like 20 minutes, so the bar is pretty low. You're not, you know, a cup of coffee length. He, I was able to pick up on his passion for God earned or, or gathered over t- countless hours spent with God. I was able to see that, wow, this person is different and transformed because of the time spent with God. But one of the most helpful things he taught me was how he overcame distraction during the daily quiet time. That was my number one thing. I sit down to pray. I close my eyes. I start to pray. My brain's all over the place. I, can't, I mean, literally, I'm like three seconds in, and then like two minutes later, I'm like, oh yeah, God, I was talking to you. I wasn't thinking about this random thing. So he, he helped me with like practical steps to overcome that distraction. So whatever God has helped you in your process, find someone and teach them. It's that simple. This is literally what discipleship looks like. There are people around you probably 80% of this room that need to know what you know about how you spend time with God. Okay, that's, that's the first step. And then the second challenge to everyone else who, is, who has never started that habit or never spent time with God in this way, or like myself, where has, 
gone through seasons where you go up and down and you forget that. You, you, you walk away from that specific discipline. You're not, you're not spending time with God on a regular basis. This is the challenge, the 28-day challenge. We're going to use the power of habit. And we know that for something to become a part of us, a habit, it takes three weeks doing it. Diligent effort, three weeks. And then for it to be a part of who we are, like natural, another three weeks. Six weeks total. But the problem is, we, as Christians, when it comes to these disciplines, we struggle with three days, much less three weeks. And so we're doing 28 days, that's, that's four weeks, and we're going to use the power of habit to solidify this discipline in us. So for 28 days, pick a time and try to spend at least 10 minutes with God each day. And we're going to keep it super simple. I gave you that resource, cool, and there's a lot of good stuff in there, but you'll find if you go through those six steps, you'll be halfway done confessing, and you'll be like, oh, my bad, I'm out of time. So we're going to keep it simple. If you, if you really only have 10 minutes, we're going to pray, we're going to read, and we're going to respond, okay? We're really trying to answer only two questions when we go to this spending time with God. It doesn't matter how complicated or how many R's I throw on the page, read, respond, read, react, whatever. Two questions. What is God saying, and what am I going to do about it? Every time we approach Scripture, every time we spend time with God, what is God saying, and what am I going to do about it? Okay? Those are the two things. That's it. The other challenge for people who are going through the 28-day challenge, tell someone about your commitment. Tell your spouse, honey, I'm trying to put in 28 days straight, and I need your help. Both to pick and, and, and like make a time sacred, but to make it a habit, I need your help. So tell someone. Find someone. The, other, the only thing that would be super beneficial for us who are, are working on this, is to find someone who has a relationship with God that is what you want to have. They already have the relationship that you want to have. Go take them out for coffee. Make it easy for them to complete their challenge. Take them out for coffee and say, teach me what you know. How do you spend time with God? How do you overcome distractions, etc.? We're just going to, I'm going to conclude here. The worship team is going to come back up. Um, I'm going to read a quote before I pray. Um, but this is, this is just obviously super simple. A lot of you guys already know this stuff and already practicing it. And then my encouragement is just that we would, we would be equipped to do this on a regular basis so that we don't fall into that statistic. That what's trending in this church isn't less than 20% of the congregation, of the people who come and attend here engaging with Scripture. We will not experience a life, trans- a life that is being transformed by the Spirit unless we engage in the process. So that's definitely my prayer. Um, Richard Foster, who is single-handedly almost, brought spiritual disciplines into our generation. He writes this. Listen to God, how he describes God's heart. God aches over our distance and preoccupation. He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He weeps over our obsession with muchness and manyness. He longs for our presence. This is our goal, is to practice the presence of God through a daily habit, discipline of spending time with him. If you'll pray with me right now, I, as the worship team plays and, and as I finish praying, I just want to invite you, if you want to come and pray and kneel, do whatever, pray where you are, uh, but just pray about your own relationship with God right now. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for uh, the gift, the capacity of habit, the ability that we can spend time with you and, and know you more and more over time, and it becomes easier as you've built that into who we are. God, I pray that your spirit would be active in us, as we engage with you on a daily basis. Help us to be a people that is in love with you, that wakes up and we can think of nothing better than starting our day off with a cup of coffee maybe and time with you. Lord, I pray that you would, you would, your spirit would remind us of your perspective on our day. Help us to see people through your lens, through your eyes. 
recognize that there is a battle raging in the hearts and minds of people all around us. Help us to be soldiers on focus, on mission with you in the world, God. And I pray that you would come and fill this place and enable us to get up and make commitments that will last because we are committed to following you with everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen.